You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. We are in the midst of our Lord's uh, prayer series called Lord Teach Us to Pray. And today we are considering the fifth petition of that prayer. And it really just brings, I mean, this all of this brings things home, but we're talking about it, this getting up in our business this morning because this is about our relationships, our relationship with God and our relationships with one another. Um, if you've been around our church for any length of time, you know that uh, you've heard some of my stories that I grew up in a, uh, a Christian home. I grew up uh, going to church a lot, hearing the good news of Jesus Christ, hearing the message of salvation. Uh, and so at a very early age, um, I, I really wanted to heed that invitation to give my life to Christ, uh, understanding that we're all born uh, with sin, that we are all need, uh, born with a need for forgiveness and redemption. And, and I, I began to understand that, and I began to pray the sinner's prayer to pretty early age. And it's like, okay, that's a good thing. And then I would go and I would say something unkind to my brother, or I'd be disobedient to my mom or my dad. I'm like, ah, that didn't work. And I'd have to go back and redo it again, because that was my very young and very infantile understanding of theology that I've come to understand that a lot of people don't grow out of. Uh, and so um, I, I, I finally, around the age of 11, uh, that fine, mature mind and that mature age of an 11-year-old boy, I began to realize that my salvation was so much more about God's love and His grace than my behavior. And, and I began to understand that. So um, I, I, I got that clearer understanding, and, and that's one of the things that really helped me understand this was the Lord's Prayer. And that phrase that we're going to be looking at today, uh, forgive us as we forgive. Forgive us our sins. Forgive us our trespasses. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who sin against us, trespass against us, or, or that have debts uh, against us. It helped me to understand that I am a child of God first and foremost, and that he invites me, and I'm a child of God because of Christ and because of his love and his goodness for me. I need to understand that he's given me an important responsibility though, as his child, whom he loves, that my, my salvation is secure, my eternal relationship with him is in, is in a solid standing, but as a result of being his son, as a result of being his daughter, we have re important responsibilities. And that's it, the understanding that the Lord's Prayer invites us to daily, daily practice this thing of reconciliation with God, but also with one another. And that's, that's something that our graceless world, where we are so prone to hold grudges, to never forget things, to hold on to things, and to, to live in worlds of resentment and isolation and separation. This is something that we need to take on as, as followers of Christ, as people of God's kingdom, and we need to, to live out every day. Understanding that with a world of forgiveness, a world of forgiveness that is marked by the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God, there can be peace, there can be joy, there can be right relationships and things being set right in Jesus' name. And that's my prayer 
for each one of us. That's my prayer for this church. That's my prayer for the influence that we would seek to have in this community uh, and around the world. So uh, let's, uh, let's just pray. Let's pray, yeah. And uh, thank you for your patience and, and really listening, leaning in to listen to hear this morning. Holy Spirit, we have welcomed you with our worship and we open our hearts and our minds to you and ask that you would come. And as the rain pours down, I thank you, God, that your love for us is even more abundant. Your love and your grace is even more plentiful, and I thank you for that reality. And I pray that each one of us would just sense that and experience that this morning. We love you and we thank you that we can love you because you first loved us. You have forgiven us and we thank you for salvation. We thank you for forgiveness of sin. And Lord, we also thank you now for the calling that you've given to each one of us to, to live in that forgiveness and to extend that forgiveness to one another. So come Holy Spirit, we thank you that you empower us to do what you have commanded us to, to do. So come and do that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the passage that we're looking at this morning is uh, Matthew 6, verse 12. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, when I pray the Lord's Prayer from memory, remember I, I grew up in a church, and so we prayed the Lord's Prayer a lot, and I've even mentioned we prayed the Lord's Prayer in my public uh, elementary school growing up. That's how old I am, right? Yeah. Um, but we prayed that every day. And I remember different versions. Some years we prayed, forgive us our debts, forgive us our sins, forgive us our trespasses. Uh, but here we find specifically, uh, forgive us our debts in Matthew's version. Uh, but also uh, in some of the other versions we find, forgive us our sins. So which one is it ultimately? Well, it's really all of them. It's all of them. Our sins, our debts, our trespasses. And one of the things that has helped me to understand the difference, there are some slight differences here. Uh, trespasses. Times when we step over the lines that God has set for us as healthy boundaries. Uh, sins of commission. Things that we've done to sin against God, against ourselves, or against someone else. Uh, wrong things that we've done. Um, there's also the idea of our debts. Uh, sins of, of, of debts where we might owe it to a particular situation to do something differently or respond or react differently. And in failing to act rightly, we've become indebted. That being a sin of omission, that, that we, there were right things that we chose not to do that we neglected to do. And I gotta say, when it comes to sins of omission, check. Sins of commission, check. I am very familiar with, with both of these expressions of sin. But more importantly, and very thankfully, I am also very familiar with the joy and the freedom that comes from repenting of those things, acknowledging those things, bringing those to my Father in heaven who welcomes me as his child, as his son, because I am in Christ, because of his grace, because of his love. And if our salvation in Christ is solid and secure, why do you think 
that Jesus included this ongoing prayer uh, for forgiveness in, in this model prayer that he offered his original disciples and he offers us today. Does God want us to just fixate on our sins, maybe even to a point of paranoia, where that's all that we're, we're concerned about every day, praying, Lord, forgive me of my sins as I forgive others who sinned against me? Is that, is that his purpose here? No, it's not. But we are instructed to regularly pray for forgiveness. Why? Not to focus on our guilt, not to focus on our sin, but to daily rest in God's grace to find our lives more richly rooted in his love. Jesus is not seeking to remind us, hey, you better watch out, you better watch out. You know, no, that's not his purpose here, but he wants to sensitize us to sin and the effects of sin and how when we don't deal with the sin that, that besets all of us, that we find ourselves encountering on a daily basis, when we don't quickly deal with that, our hearts become hardened. We become insensitive to the Holy Spirit. We become unresponsive and all of a sudden, we, we don't have the richness of intimate relationship that God created us for. Uh, I've been spending a lot of time just focusing uh, on the Garden of Eden and, and the whole dynamic that was going on with Adam and Eve and God and the intimacy that he created them in and the intimacy that he created them for. And even after they sinned, what did God do? He went to be with them. Uh, they had hidden from him. And he called out to them, not because he didn't know where they were, he knew where they were, they were he's the God of the universe. But he called out to them even in their sinfulness, in their nakedness, when they had tried to cover their shame with fig leaves, he calls out to them, it's like, where are you? And that's because even in their sinfulness, he still desired intimacy with them. Now, yes, there were and are consequences to our sin, but God never stops desiring intimacy with us as his sons and daughters, and we need to remember that. And through Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection, we can receive God's gift of salvation and live as his children. And this regular prayer of forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us, this helps keep us connected with God's grace and rooted in his love. But it's not about, okay, got to watch out. God's going to strike you out living in that kind of posture. That is not at all what this prayer is about. This prayer from start to finish is a powerful reminder to all of us that Jesus came to bring and usher in the kingdom of God. And, and this prayer is, is a reminder of his mission statement and how it is to be brought about. Roger talked a couple of, uh, last week or a couple of weeks ago about the, the very essence of the prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done, inviting God's rule and reign for him to come and set things right where things are wrong. And, and he declares forgiveness of sins as part of the kingdom of God. This is a huge message uh, that, that Jesus came to bring, and only God can pronounce forgiveness of sins. And, and in Matthew 9, we read where Jesus is saying to a paralytic person, your sins are forgiven you, and then he heals him. 
So it is the proclamation of the kingdom in forgiveness of sin, and it's the demonstration of the kingdom of God in, in healing him. And right after that, in that same chapter, Jesus sits down with tax collectors and sinners, and he actually embodies over the course of a, a meal the welcome of our Father God to all, even those who are estranged, those who are living in sin, that he welcomes, that he invites them to come in repentance to change their mind, to change the direction of their lives, and to draw close uh, to Christ in his love and in his grace. Now, if you know the story, you know that religious leaders were appalled by all of this. Again, only God can say, your sins are forgiven. And here's this guy who, he's not even in a temple pronouncing this. And he's pronouncing these things, uh, and he's having things to do with sinners and people who are incredibly unclean. And these religious leaders, these Jewish religious leaders, could not conceive of a new exodus coming to Israel that transcended physical bodies. They couldn't conceive of, of, of a freedom from oppression and enslavement that would not only include bodies, but hearts and souls and freedom, ultimate freedom. And the ultimate freedom is forgiveness of sins, of debts, of trespasses. And that's what Jesus was proclaiming. In Luke chapter 15, these same Jewish leaders are giving him a hard time about this whole idea of, of people's sins being forgiven and, and God's welcome to the, the outcast and to sinners. And he shares three different parables, and I want to focus on one this morning. It's one that we're all familiar with. It's the, the, the parable of the prodigal son. It's a story about a rich, a rich master who has two sons, the younger of the two, decides to rebel. He decides to uh, ask for his inheritance, which basically was saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. I just want your money. And he left to go to a foreign country where he lived it up and he wasted uh, his inheritance and he uh, committed a lot of trespasses and he fell into a lot of debt. We're going to pick up with his story in Luke chapter 15, verse 17. When this younger brother, this young man, came to his senses after living in this foreign land, he said to himself, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And so he got up and he went to his father. This is a beautiful picture of true repentance, okay? That, that, uh, that choice of coming, changing your mind, changing the direction of your life, but moving to, to Jesus. He's moving back to his home, uh, to his father. And so he got up and he went to his father. And I love this next section. The, the, while he was a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. You need to understand that statement that he ran to his son. That very act for this master was one of indignity. In this culture, 
If you are of a certain social standing, if you are of a social, cultural, or social economic standing, you did not run. You didn't run for anything. You didn't get in a hurry. So the idea that this master, this, this, this father would, would just abandon all that and run after his son to welcome him with open arms and to receive him is a huge statement and it's a picture of our loving father, heavenly father towards us. The son said to the father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on and put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast. Let's celebrate for this son of mine was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and he's found. And so they began to celebrate. A celebration that took place, a celebration that takes place with each and every one of us who come to our senses and our sin and we recognize the Father's love and His goodness and His grace towards us and we change our minds and we change the direction of our lives and we run to Jesus and run to our Heavenly Father who has open arms and compassion for us. This is the kingdom of God. This is forgiveness of sins. This is reconciliation with our Heavenly Father. But Jesus is teaching us to pray, forgive us of our sins as we forgive. There's a caveat attached here. Is Jesus instructing us to ask our Heavenly Father to clean our slates to the degree that we're willing to clean the slates of those who have wronged us? Is there some sort of uh, connection here? Well, I wanna make something really, really clear for all of us, and this is this. We don't forgive others to earn God's forgiveness. That is not the way this works, all right? Uh, if I confess my sins, if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness, period. We are sons, we are daughters of God through Jesus Christ and our faith and our trust in Him. But there is a, an experience of God's forgiveness and His grace and His joy and fullness of relationship that's part of the kingdom of God, marked by peace and joy and things being set right. And God wants us to experience that. He wants us to live in that. This is really Applied Theology 101, that having received forgiveness of sins, that we now get to practice it in our relationship with our Father, our Heavenly Father, our God, but also with one another. It's not just a one-way street. It is upward and it is outward in how we are to practice this. And failure to forgive one another, it wasn't about failing to live up to some moral teaching, but this was like cutting off the very branch that our whole faith is established on, that we are sinners saved by grace. And we, having received that grace, that we are now to extend that to one another because everything, everything that we receive uh, from God's kingdom as being God's children uh, is to be extended to the world around us. We receive grace. We receive healing. We receive the good news of the kingdom. And it doesn't stop there. It's not supposed to stop there. 
We are to be people who are receiving that, that good news and then we are sharing it, that we are receiving forgiveness of sin and then we are extending that same forgiveness to those around us. And this does, this includes forgiveness. And in the same parable that we're very, very familiar with, the prodigal son in, in Luke chapter 15, we see the father also addressing the other brother, the older brother, that quite honestly is pretty graceless, seems pretty merciless, and uh, very, very much unforgiving when it comes to his younger brother. Let's pick up in verse 28. Uh, they're having the party. They're having the party celebrating uh, the son, the younger son coming home. He was lost, but now he's found. And this is what we find with the older brother in verse 28. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. And so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaying for you, slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. And the father says, my son, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Now, I gotta be honest with you, of the two brothers, I personally, personally relate much more to the older brother, all right? I just do. Uh, I was the compliant child, you know. I was, I was a compliant child. I didn't give my parents a lot of uh, rebellion growing up uh, that they knew about anyway. So uh, <laughs> that's, that's a whole nother story that I won't unpack today. But I gotta say, a lot of this performance mentality and this behavior to please made its way into my relationship with my heavenly father. And that's where problems really began to occur for me. Uh, that idea of that there was more of a focus on my performance, especially compared to others, rather than the grace of God. And there have been times, just like with the older brother in this parable, that I have experienced anger, that I have chosen to isolate, that I have had a sense of entitlement that completely robbed me of joy and intimacy with my father. And that's the thing that I, 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 wanna, I wanna encourage you, don't go that path. That's why this prayer, for, uh, forgive me of my sins as I forgive those who sinned against me is so important. I gotta say that thankfully, over time and through some pretty difficult situations and circumstances and formative seasons, I've clearly heard, I've experienced my Heavenly Father reminding me that He is with me, that He loves me, that His love is mine, and everything that He has is mine. And ultimately, He's calling me to celebrate the forgiveness of my sins, but also the forgiveness of sins for those who've offended me, for those who've sinned against me, those who have wronged me, those around me. And as we continually experience God's forgiveness, we can all discover that it is both possible and it's actually enjoyable 
It is a good thing, it is a life-giving thing to forgive others. Because the big brother standing outside pouting, not going into the party, is just not the kingdom of God, guys. It is not the peace and the joy and, and things being set right that God has for us. The forgiveness of sins, proclaiming that to one another. This was one of the directives that Jesus gave his original disciples before he ascended after his death and resurrection. He said, go and pronounce and proclaim the forgiveness of sin. This is something he's called us to do. And as forgiveness of sin people, uh, we have to live this out, not just with our words, but he calls us to live this out in our behaviors and our attitudes toward one another that we forgive as we uh, have been forgiven. This is not easy. I am not saying that it is, okay? But it begins with a decision. It begins with a decision, I'm going to forgive this person. I'm going to choose to forgive. Now, my emotions, my sentiment may not line up with that immediately. But I choose to do that and I can go to God in his love and his favor and his grace and say, God, I need you to help me with this. I need you to do this. Throughout this series, we've talked a lot about the Lord's Prayer, but we've also talked about some different kinds of expressions of prayer uh, that can maybe help us uh, as we incorporate the Lord's Prayer in, in different aspects of it. And I don't have time to go into a lot of detail on this this morning, but I, I do want to encourage you to learn more about the prayer of examine. The prayer of examine. It's about inviting the Holy Spirit to come and do a thorough search of our hearts. Um, uh, several weeks ago, I think the first Sunday of this series, I mentioned one of my favorite books on prayer by Richard Foster, and it's got this really big title, Prayer, okay? It's a great resource, and, and, and uh, I, I, I love what he writes about the prayer of examine. He, he talks about it in two parts, the examine of consciousness, and then the examine of conscience, and he, he talks about them this way. He says, in the examine of consciousness, we discover how God has been present to us throughout our day and reflect on how we have responded to God's loving presence. And so that's a, a good exercise, a good spiritual habit uh, to do at the end of every day or maybe at the beginning of the next day on reflecting on the day before. But then in the examine of conscience, with the Holy Spirit's guidance, and that's a huge caveat to this, all right? With the Holy Spirit's guidance, we uncover, uh, as he points out, those areas that need cleansing and purifying and healing. It's, it's really the expression uh, that David puts forth in Psalm 139 in this prayer that he says, search me, O God, and know my heart, Test me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. When it comes to the examine of conscience, don't go on this alone. Please don't do that. Don't go into just an introspective mode, leaving the Holy Spirit uh, apart. Don't do that. Because what happens when we do that, we tend to go to two extremes. We either claim an endless list of justifications uh, to defend ourselves and to declare our innocence, or we beat ourselves up mercilessly. 
And the enemy loves both of these extremes because they either fill us with pride or they fill us with condemnation. But when the Holy Spirit shows up, things, uh, shows us things that are not right in us or pleasing to God, he doesn't do this to, to condemn us, but he does it so that we can know the life to the full that Jesus came to bring. And there is always grace and there is always acceptance and he wants us to experience God's love and God's goodness. So remember how we start this prayer. Our Father in heaven. Our Father. We're coming to him, our, 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 our Abba, our Papa, our Daddy, that, that term of endearment. We are his children. If we are in Christ, we are his beloved. We are his children. And he invites us to his banqueting table. He invites us to his banqueting table, but like any good meal, you know, if we, we sit down and our hands are dirty, it's like, wow, my hands are dirty. I've been doing some stuff. I, you know, I've gotten my hands dirty, my, my heart dirty, my life dirty. We, we need to wash our hands. We need to, to, to wash our hands before we sit down. And that's what this prayer is about. Uh, forgive me my sins as I forgive others. But we do so, we pray this prayer in the larger framework of knowing that I am welcomed at this table. My father has welcomed me. I am his son. I am his daughter. He is my papa. He is my daddy. And we come in that frame and we sit with him and we acknowledge, dad, there's some things I need to talk to you about. There's some things I need to go over with you. Some things that I did, some things that I didn't do that I should have done. And, and he meets us there. And he says, yeah, Reese, there, there are some things we need to talk about. There are some things that we need to get out on the table and deal with because I love you and I desire intimacy with you and I, I desire closeness in relationship with you. And that's why the sequence of the Lord's Prayer is so important. We begin our Father, Papa, Daddy. As sons, as daughters receive uh, in Christ, we come to him and we come and it's not about repenting for salvation each time that we pray this prayer, but it's just, God, I want everything to be right with you. I don't want anything to mar my intimacy with you, but also I want that intimacy to be with, with one another. I don't want my relationships with my brothers or my sisters strained or with my spouse or my children. I, I want to keep things right. And so would you do that? Would you show me that? And God welcomes us to come. And I am not flippant about the ease of forgiving people, all right? There are, I know enough of your stories. There are some very deep, real hurts in the hearts and lives of people in this room. I know that. I'm very, very much aware of that. But I know that the healing power and the love of our God is greater than any of our deepest hurts. And I know that God is merciful and he's gracious, he is patient, he is long-suffering, and he desires to walk with us as we go through these processes that sometimes are not quick fixes. But God is faithful, he is good, and he is merciful. And as we close this time, before we go into our worship this morning, I want to uh, just invite you to just look at this passage and pray this just silently where you are. And as we just quiet our hearts for a moment, 
Be reminded that the rain pounding down is just the mercy and the grace of God. It's a, it's a, it's a wonderful example of just the plenty, plenteous, plentiful mercy and grace that God wants to pour out on us as we come and invite the Holy Spirit to search us and to know our hearts. That he doesn't do so to condemn us, but he does so uh, to draw us nearer so that we can experience more of his kingdom. So whether you want to do it reading the passage or whether you want to close your eyes, Holy Spirit, we love you. We invite you to show us our hearts. Come Holy Spirit and, and show us anything in us that is not pleasing to you. Come Lord, we open our hearts to you. We trust you, Lord. invite you to stand together as we uh, pray together the Lord's Prayer. So we're going to have to apparently go with it with memory this morning. Let's see how we did. There we go. Let's, let's pray this together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.